Hello, and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beattie, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. From the Shishogi, what is truly meant by training and enlightenment. Should you live for a hundred years just wasting your time, every day and month will be filled with sorrow. Should you drift as the slave of your senses for a hundred years, and yet live truly for only so much as a single day. You will in that one day not only live a hundred years of life, but also save a hundred years of your future life. The life of this one day today is absolutely vital life. Your body is deeply significant. Both your life and your body deserve love and respect, for it is by their agency that truth is practiced and the Buddha's power exhibited. The seed of all Buddhist activity and of all Buddhahood is the true practice of preceptual truth. What is the purpose of a life? What is my purpose? When coming of age, while growing into adulthood, We can be inclined to resolve this question of purpose by diverting focus onto our position relative to society, our work identity, our successes, Our sense of purpose may evolve and grow over time to include our sense of status, wealth, family, community. 
We may further measure our purpose ethically according to our sense of having offered some service to others, such as enriching or saving lives, delivering goods, inventing something useful. We may then assess whether we feel ourselves to have lived up to our principles or beliefs, reached some level of artistic or mathematical achievement, or accomplished some endurance record. Nearing the end of life, we may concern ourselves with our legacy, whether we will have managed to pass on anything of lasting value to future generations whether we will have inspired excellence in others or gone down in communal memory for our moment of descended muse or our historic Hail Mary pass. But how often do I reflect on what it might be just to be really and truly, deeply and completely, who I really am. Beyond all this that we so often consider to be about my purpose, there is something that every being offers, regardless of all our standards. A way every being fulfills function just by being. No life is wasted, whether early potential is fulfilled or not. Again, as it says in the Shoshogi, if you live truly for only so much as a single day, you will, in that one day, not only live a hundred years of life, but also save a hundred years of your future life. And still the hundred years that lead up to that one day of truly living are a part of that day and make that day possible. No life is wasted. No moment, no day, no life is worth less or more than another. And still I can do my best to live truly whatever the circumstances of my life. In her book, Find the Good, Heather Linday, small-town obituary writer for the Chilkat Valley News in Haines, Alaska, speaks of a friend who died at 98. Linday says of her friend's approach to life, It seemed to me that everything she did, she did well. Not because she needed to be perfect, but because it made her feel good to do a good job. What is it to live truly? 
in the summing up of my life, what will remain? What will remain of yours? I mean this not so much in terms of what others may say or think of you or me or of the next person. By what will remain, I mean what will ripple out from around this life. I'm thinking in terms of the impressions left on the universe by this being. The resounding of thoughts, feelings, words, deeds, done or undone by this being. It isn't just whether we do what feels good. It's that what really feels good is to do what's good to do, to be true to what really is good for all beings, self-included. In this area in particular, it can prove fruitful to consider working daily in small ways on our habit of making judgments. To work kindly and consistently on letting go of that very human tendency to put our own ideas and opinions between ourselves and that which is which does not judge. Why is this? For one, the pathways that we have laid down in the heart and mind become important as we near death. When we go to die, there can be that reviewing of our life which naturally arises. At this time, there can be the movement toward judging oneself by one's past actions, thereby feeling inadequate, and thus turning from the embrace of that which is. As it says with great compassion in the Buddhist exhortation for the dying to be read at the moment of clinical death, as lightning appears the luminescent splendor of the great Dharmakaya, encompassing you in its glory on all sides, thrilling throughout your entire being. Submit to its embrace, for it is pure love. Do not, through feelings of unworthiness, try to flee because of your past actions. Do not judge yourself before the Lord, for in pure love there is no judgment. In this pure love your past actions are but dreams. Love is love. Do not judge love by your standards of yourself, for this is to cling to a separate self, which is pure illusion.
If ever you have sat with someone who is dying, you may have experienced the person going through some version of what Reverend Master Jiu is describing above. And in her instructions for those who are with a terminally ill person, she writes that even if someone in attendance on the dying has had no realization of the eternal, he or she should love the dying person with all their might. As Reverend Master Mado puts it, loving is dropping the judgment. She asks, How often do we allow ourselves to come together with something without anything in the way? She tells the story of when she was called to the bedside of her friend Margaret, who lay dying at home in her own living room at nearly a hundred and three. Margaret, who was very still and very near to death, took Reverend Mado's hand and held it tight. So Reverend Mado held Margaret's hand in return, wholeheartedly wishing her well, each expressing how dear the other was. Then, after a good while, just as Reverend Mado thought now she ought to let go, Margaret firmly kept hold of her hand and wouldn't release it. Then, at last, Reverend Mado realized she was being invited into a place of great stillness and great love and she stopped filling in the blanks and opened and joined Margaret there for a timeless stretch. The end of life is not the only time when it's compassionate and wise to temper the movement to judgment. It's much easier to practice letting go of any habit under ordinary circumstances, but also there's another reason. Judgment breaks the precepts. This is because judgment creates separation. Am I in my judgment of another, of others, of myself? Am I, by judging, devaluing life? There is a precept on not putting oneself up and others down. The more subtle nuances of working with this precept include any form of judgment or evaluation. There is a precept on not defaming the three treasures. There is a precept on not killing which includes not killing the Buddha nature in oneself, not killing the Buddha nature in another. In what ways do I judge? How might I not judge, or how might I hold my judgments 
more lightly. My grandmother used to say at the end of her stories, and then they lived until they died. Then she would chuckle. Looking back, I think she was trying to point out to us that life goes on, that the rest of life is not necessarily easy, but that it's worth it. That you haven't failed in life just because you didn't live happily ever after. In Zen Buddhism, in particular, there is talk of that which is. What is meant by this? What is that which is? In the wee hours of the morning, when we're sleepless and alone, what is there? When something inside cries out for its purpose, what is there? When the world goes crazy and all we can manage is to hang on, what is there? When my reason for living is pulled out from under me or fades, or changes, what is there? Who am I, and what is my purpose for living? Maybe the answer to that question is not what I think or not what I previously believed to be true. Maybe the answer changes over time, or varies with conditions. I may call to mind Reverend Master Mado's gentle, helpful query, now that this is so, what does this make possible? Does it make possible to live truly even for a single day? Who am I and what is my true purpose? Asking again, asking the question as it arises in the heart, asking however you ask it, what is my purpose for living? as you just live. If I have lost my job or failed in my duty, if I've made a mistake big or little, if I seem to have fallen short of some goal, if I've done any of this in front of my friends, colleagues, neighbors, community, even the world. As long as I draw breath, I'm still me. I've still got my spiritual work to do. 
and I'm still of Buddha. And the same is true of my shining victories. I'm of Buddha. I've still got my spiritual work to do. And I'm still me. Judgments about such things don't help. Judgments don't really help prevent future difficulties. Judgments don't erase what may have happened. Though a certain amount of wise discernment can be useful, judgments are mostly a distraction from the real work of getting up and over the tendency to put something between myself and what is. And judgments arise along with everything else, and arising can be let go just like everything else. Condemnation, appraisal, approval, verification of suspicions, sneering disdain, all can be accepted, released, let go. As I get on with what truly needs to be done, with my deeper purpose for living. There is a way of being which doesn't struggle. We brush across this way of being in ordinary living and often miss it. It may be the stretch of life that dwells suspended Timeless in waiting rooms when we settle in to attend whatever comes to pass. It may be the meditation period that passes lightly, unobserved. This way of being, naturally, like fish swim, comes naturally. That which is comes all the time. And it's we who miss it when it seems it's not there. In any moment, there is a way of falling into that which is. Like birds fly through the air. Like sleeping children breathe. The moment of surrendering to sleep or surrendering to wakefulness coming to rest in the present moment without knowing exactly what time of day it is, maybe only noticing that it's mid-morning, or nearly dawn, or late afternoon. Coming to rest in the present moment, not worrying whether it's day or night. As what is good to do reveals itself. What is my deeper purpose? What might it be for me to live truly? Living truly. How may I just be without filling in the blanks? Trying not to do harm 
trying to do good. Trying to do good for others. Let us close with these last lines again from the Shushogi. The life of this one day today is absolutely vital life. Your body is deeply significant. Both your life and your body deserve love and respect, for it is by their agency that truth is practiced and the Buddha's power exhibited. The seed of all Buddhist activity and of all Buddhahood is the true practice of preceptual truth. Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart that Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzayan Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings including you, wherever you may be.